Welcome to the Paul Series Podcast, where we dive deeper into the content from Sunday's message. Welcome back, everybody. We're in week seven of the Paul series, and we only got a couple more weeks before we move on to bigger and better things. And that was your intro voice. That was, wasn't your do real I have voice. an intro voice? You definitely. Like when I listened to that, like, hey, welcome everybody. It was week seven here. It, you use that voice. To so this is my normal again. voice, and then, hey, everybody, welcome. Is that my? Yeah, I have a. That's okay. Your, that's your preacher voice. Oh, so I, is my, my preacher and intro voice are the same, and they're not the same as my normal voice. I don't know. Kind okay. of, maybe. <laughs> I, have, I have multiple voices. It was That's, definitely your, your that yeah, voice. Definitely so. my intro one. Because I have this one, too. You I perk guess. up when you do it, too. Your, your head bounces. You're like, hey, welcome, everybody. <laughs> we should start videoing podcast. these. Actually, that would be a dreadful decision. By the way, shout out uh, this time around to a special guest that we have with us on the podcast this morning. And um, that is the pup Mocha. Not to be confused with Mochaccina or Nappuccino. <laughs> I do sometimes call Mocha Mochaccino, but um, yeah, we've got a we've got a little friend here with us today in the basement. So you know, just keeping an eye keeping an eye on Mocha. That's Connor's dog, and everybody loves Mocha. So I wish Mocha could bark on command. Mar- Mocha, bark. <laughs> that was our producer Connor. Just for everybody, if you heard that bark, and it was a pretty sad bark. I also need to give a shout out to Josh Figler. Um, it hurts me to say this, but his Minnesota Vikings beat my Dallas Cowboys and we were texting and Josh, just so you know, it's okay. I'm okay. Mm. Mm. Football always finds a way to come up, but Hey, so a couple things that we, we need to talk about as we're getting rolling. And the first thing is, uh, how do you handle snow on the driveway, man? Are you, we, we've experienced this winter snap, um, and you know, a little too early for some people's taste. I think snap is a little bit of a soft word for <laughs> a foot of snow. <laughs> like that was an outpouring, <laughs> not a snap. Oh, very And good it's point. November. It was like a November 11th, was it? I forget the date, but come on. That is very early for that much snow. My only hope and prayer is that if it comes this early, that come April, okay, let's say May, We'll be done. It's going to be gone. Yeah, it'll be gone. Maybe by March, we'll see spring. We haven't had spring in a couple of weeks, but how do I get rid of snow? Well, this is actually the one thing I like about snow is I have a, you know, a long driveway, not super long, but it's, it's long. And I have, I have a tractor that I plow things with. Mm. It's awesome. It's like my, my time. Get on some horsepower, <laughs> move some snow. I'm like, yes. Thank you, Lord, for machinery. Wow. Can I get an amen? Okay, so you're into plow. I've got a, uh, I think it's from 1934, correction, maybe 1974, <laughs> Aaron's or Aaron, I don't know how to say that word. Aaron's, 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 Aaron's. snowblower. And honestly, Aaron's. I think. Ooh, Aaron's. Aaron's. Ooh, maybe. maybe it is Aaron's snowblower. <laughs> maybe it's, my, it's my, it's Aaron's, Aaron's. Um, I think it's like 36 inches wide. I got it used on Craigslist for $200 a few years ago. I have never changed the oil. I've never done a single thing to it, but it still starts like a champ. How heavy is it? It's a, it's a metric ton. 
<laughs> can you can you define a, for everybody what I can't remember what a metric is. ton is, but I think it's more than two thousand pounds. I actually don't know. Maybe it's less. Connor, can you fact check me on that while we're sitting here? Um, but yeah, it weighs a lot. It's very heavy, and our old driveway was very small, and so it was just a total waste of time. Like I don't even know why we had it. But mm. now we we've recent we moved about six months ago, and and the driveway makes way more sense for this this machine. And I I did use it. Um, a few mornings ago and it felt awesome because it only took like half an hour. And once you're, once you're out there doing it, like once you're actually using a snowblower, I'm like, I could snowblow the entire neighborhood. Yeah. As long as you have good gear, like warm gear, it's fun. It's awesome. And a shout out to all those people who shovel their driveway. I look up to you. I commend you, but I don't want to be you. (laughs) A metric ton, by the way, we're, we're finding out is 2,204 pounds, which is 204 more pounds than a normal ton. A, 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 a normal? How ethnocentric of me. Oh, a, my goodness. A metric, an American You just ton. confuse people more with <laughs> a lack of clarity. <laughs> okay. Thank you for that. So, Drew, what are you reading? What are you reading lately? What books have you been excited about? Book just finished is You and Me Together by Francis Chan. Our community group kind of walked through that. We're doing a marriage study. We actually just ended last uh, um, last week, um, which was awesome. It was a great book. And, um, it was interesting marriage book and, you know, you, you pick up a marriage book and you're like, okay, here's the first chapter, how to deal with conflict. Here's yeah, the next chapter, communicate, <laughs> finance. communicate, finance. Yeah. You know, the normal things, it was a, it was a great non-marriage book that was about marriage hmm. and it's all looking at marriage through the light of eternity. And it shaped a different perspective on marriage. Um, which I think Francis Chan is really good at thinking uniquely outside yeah. the box, but in the context of biblical, you know, theology and yeah. authority, it was great. I mean, it it's benefited my wife and I, and people in our group have been like, man, this has been life changing for wow. us. So it's been really cool. So recommended recommended reading, would you say? Yeah, I would definitely recommend it, but I'd go into it knowing like this isn't your atypical mm-hmm. marriage book. It's going to sure. be a little bit different. Have a, a little extra spice to it. Good, awesome. Um, uh, question, I guess for me, I'll, I'll answer the same question. I've been reading, uh, I usually have a few books going at a time. The book I'm reading, why did I make that so awkward? I should have just said, here's what I'm reading. <laughs> Sorry. Um, awkward is your, uh, your that's forte. Sort of my forte. <laughs> <laughs> I am reading, uh, uh, the reason for God by Tim Keller. I think okay. it's called the reason for God. It's whatever his, his like kind yep. of. I just sent that to a friend from high school who's searching after God right now. Yeah, it's really, really good. He's very fair-minded. It's a book written with a, a broad audience in mind. And he he did ministry in Manhattan. So like he's very used to interacting with people from a different background. So it's very helpful. Um, I'm also reading, it's called A Shot of Faith to the Head by Dr. Mitch Stokes. Wow. He's a Christian philosophy professor and apologist. Um, at a school out in like Idaho. And he's written a few books called How to Be an Atheist, A Shadow of Faith to Head, a few things that really that question some of the basis for rationality in general and the existence of reason and really very philosophical, but arguing for the Christian worldview. And then the other book I'm reading right now is called um, uh, Stamped from the Beginning, A Definitive History of Racist Ideas in America. And it's by Ibram X. Kendi. So it's nice. really, really good. I bet you that's and, stretching you. Yes, very much so. Um, I also read his book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, just before this. And man, it's, I mean, he's, his worldview is very different than, uh, you know, the worldviews I'm ten, I typically read, sure. which is really helpful to me. Um, and goodness gracious, there's so much that I've missed about the way our country was put together. And I sit from a position of, 
you know, I technically wouldn't have to think some about some of these things as a, you know, as a white person, as a white male, maybe in particular, um, I I sit in the majority culture, but this has just been really stretching for me. So yeah, there's a lot of good books out there right now on that topic. Mm -hmm. Um, you think of the reason for God, I always relate that to a case for Christ. Oh, Lee sure. Strobel. So it's kind of very similar, just different styles based on authors and um, the the shot in the head by God or whatever that shot of faith in the head. Yeah, yeah. I re- I relate that to uh, Frank Turek's. Um, uh, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Oh, kind of very yeah. similar books yes. that kind of have the same same idea, different spins. Mm-hmm. And you know, those are important books. All of them at different times. Even like Francis Schaeffer was another person, a really important yep. writer um, at a different era. It seems like God uses people in the right times to bring up the right kind of ideas to right. to challenge um, the way that people are thinking in our culture. So, hey, yeah. you know who's a really good author too? Paul. Oh See wow! What, what a segue! What a transition! My Didn't goodness. even plan that transition. We, God just gave it to me. It was inspired. It I was think. right now. Special revelation coming in hot from the basement of the office house. <laughs> I mean, if you really think about it, though, think about all that Paul has. You know, he he's putting down with pen. Like, mm. Most of what we study from Sunday to Sunday, he usually has a say in it somehow. Yes. You know, it's crazy. Absolutely. And even in, you could argue in an economy of words, because although he wrote, it feels like a lot because we talk about him a lot in terms of actual number of words, like the book of Matthew is enormously long. Paul doesn't have anything even nearly that long, or Luke wrote all of Luke and Acts, and that's so many words. So Paul didn't necessarily always write that many words, um, but what he wrote ch- literally changed the world. But Paul was concentrated too. I mean, we see this as we study him. Like that's you true. see, you know, what we learned this week, like, Paul didn't beat around the bush. He didn't waste time like setting up his story. He was just like, mm-hmm. bam, there it is. Take it or leave it. Right. You know, that, I mean, he was, some of that was his boldness. Like mm-hmm. he just wasn't ashamed. And so he didn't try to like slowly work into things. It was just who he was. And you see that even in his writing style of like, Read Romans or, or read, do, especially you know, Galatians. Like you're, yeah. you're, you're like three verses in and he's already like, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? <laughs> so it's like, this guy is awesome. Yeah. He doesn't mess around and he packs a lot into, you know, a very dense writing style. Romans, again, if you think about whatever, uh, the Lord of the Rings, that is a lot of words. Romans doesn't have a lot of words, but my goodness, there's a lot to learn. Oh yeah. Paul was the type of guy that you wanted on your side but you didn't know how close of a friend you wanted to be because you were like afraid of what he was going to challenge you with. Or and I also love that Peter's of. like, yeah, and Paul's writings, which can be very confusing or hard to understand. You know, <laughs> Peter himself is like, yes, I'm not, I'm not always dragging with him, but dude, yeah, he's really smart dude. Smart that guy, guy was awesome. <laughs> and I stayed as far away from him as I could. <laughs> now, the last time they interacted, he was getting confronted. So you almost wonder what King Agrippa was thinking as Paul was like giving his defense. Like, you know what Festus thought? Like, this guy's crazy. He's nuts. You've read too many books, bro. <laughs> Easy on the books. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, your, your theology and your search for knowledge is driving you insane. Mm-hmm. How, how I wish that would be said about me. I was gonna say, you know what has never, I've never been accused of? Your great learning. <laughs> no one You're has speaking ever, for you, right? Not me. Yes, I'm okay, speaking for me. No one has ever said that your great learning is driving you insane. <laughs> <laughs> I've been accused of insanity. Not, not for that reason, I, right? Not because I know too much. Oh, my word. So um, I, one of the things you talked about on Sunday was how, uh, you know, it's important that we be bold and Paul's boldness and he doesn't miss opportunities and he saw everything as an opportunity. So I'm just wondering, you mentioned that when you preach, that's almost like the easiest time to share the gospel. Yeah. There's a, 
almost like anonymous faces. Three of the campuses, you can't, you literally can't even see them. They're via a camera. Um, and people are there expecting to hear about the Bible. Right. So there's a sense in which, and I would agree, that's the easiest time to tell about Jesus is from the stage. So in your personal life, you talk about how sometimes you miss opportunities. And I just wanted to have you open up a little bit and tell us, like, what are some missed opportunities you've had, even in your recent life, related to boldness and sharing the gospel? Yeah. So if I go back in my past, I think the the most glaring, like, mist of opportunities was just in high school. Like, I think of all the people I interact with with, I interacted with, was friends with, and I, I never even brought Jesus up. Like he wasn't mm. even like on the tip of my tongue. Like he was in the back of my throat, not even ready to come out. And, you know, one, I just think of that whole, that whole stage of my life where I had opportunities and I just completely missed them. Um, now I, I do my best not to, to miss so many opportunities, but I, I miss them on a regular basis still, you know, opportunities where, man, Someone will ask me what I do for a living and I'll tell them, you know, whether it's the, you know, person I'm meeting who's working in our house doing some, you know, some work on construction or someone at the grocery store. We're just in normal conversation. Like, Hey, what do you do? Well, I'm a pastor and I never get out like, Hey, you should come check out our church. I'm usually put my head down. I'm like, I'm a pastor. Okay. Can I check out now, please? (laughs) Oh, I fully agree with that. In fact, I've even said before, I try to do my best to avoid that coming oh, up. Oh man, I don't like, want it to come I, up. I want to. I want to ask so many questions about what they do for work and just keep it focused on them. Not be. That's the problem, me, though. I ask, hey, what you know, like, or hey, what do you do, or like, hey, tell me. And they always come back with that question. I'm like, oh no, oh, I said, why up did for I this? ask for that? <laughs> and that for I don't know about you. For me, in those moments, it's not my lack of desire to bring up my profession is less about, I don't want them to know I'm a Christian, but I just don't want to make it weird. I recognize that the moment you say you're a pastor, some people are like, Oh, uh, okay. Bye. (laughs) Or, or they just like change who they are. They don't even leave. It's just, they, they become a different person. Yeah. They become like, Oh, I got to be careful now what I say. And I get that. So I, I won't lie. I've even said like, I work at a nonprofit (laughs) (laughs) just to try to like make it. But anyway, when you went, once it's out there, then I do, then it is a boldness thing where uh, the fact that I don't invite is usually because I'm like, oh, I just feel dumb. Like I don't want them to think. Or I I feel like I just, I'm, I feel like they expect it and I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do what they're expecting. Like, oh, I'm a pastor. You should come to my church. Like, I've heard that before. Like, oh, it's different. I promise. You know, and honestly, I should, I should just, it's a great, it's almost like it's teed up for me and it's like, dude, take it. Like, hey, I'd love for you. Festus and Agrippa and Felix were not surprised that Paul talked about Jesus. Right. Exactly. He did it anyway. And he just did it anyway. Yeah. And I think that's just everyday opportunities. Like I go out, I do grocery shopping and not be some weirdo. You know, I'm not saying like every conversation you have should be this moment where you're inviting someone to church, but I just think being open and seeing those chances that are right in front of you and taking advantage of them. I'm just imagining you at Wegmans buying some like sparkling water and the, the lady's like, okay, so, um, so two, two things of these sparkling water. And you're like, yeah, yeah. Have you, have you had the water of life? <laughs> just expecting you to start dropping that nonsense. Oh, oh man. man. I have never done that. So just for the record, I usually say living water. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, okay. Like that one too. Um, yeah. So a- anything else you feel like related to missed opportunities or just, you know, where in your life does that need to change or grow? I think just boldness. I think that is a, a word that any Christian wants. Like I want boldness, but if I'm honest with myself, 
I'm bold when it's easy, when, when I feel comfortable, but I want boldness really in those uncomfortable moments, mm-hmm. you know, like I have boldness on a stage all day long, but I want, I want boldness when I'm uncomfortable or I feel a little bit of shamed where I know these people don't care about Jesus, don't want to hear about Jesus, but Jesus, but boldness in, in that. Um, and here's the thing, Paul prayed for boldness. Mm-hmm. He did. Like he asked people to pray like, Hey, you pray so that I would be bold. So I don't know who was praying for Paul, but it worked. Yeah, and, you know, for real. Hey, for all you who are listening, I would love for you to pray for me to mm. be bold. Yeah. I mean, hey, go for it. I think Add all of us, yeah, be praying yeah. for each other, be praying for our leaders in that area. We all need boldness. And if any, we, we talk about Paul like a bold guy, but if he needed prayer on this topic, I sure do. <laughs> no doubt. And uh, w- one way I've been convicted about my boldness lately is that Lauren and I joined the YMCA mm. uh, about a month ago. I could tell your arms just are bulging Dude, out of that you know shirt. I'm right glad now. you mentioned that. I wish this was a, a video podcast because people could actually I, see how. Dude, the tone, it's really, just, it's coming through. I actually I, did see the, the size, though. It's an extra small, isn't it? Is that. Dude. Oh, I'm sorry. That was the whole. Oh, my bad. We talked about not talking about that. <laughs> no, but we've been going to the Y. Grayson's doing swimming lessons. He's horrible at them. He's absolutely. <laughs> the, the teacher was like, yeah, you know, we've never had a kid scream quite that much before. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so we're setting records. Uh, the YMCA loves us. But um, anyway, in the last month we've been going, we really enjoy it. We've been having a great time um, as a family being able to be there. And Laura and I both being able to exercise because I watch the kids, whatever. It's been good. But in the last month, I think I've referred like 10 people to the Y. We have so many. You tried me. Just yes, for the I record. Sure you, have been, you tried <laughs> to convince me. I've been evangelizing about you, the Y with you. But I, legitimately, I'm excited about the Y. So I've just been somehow finding a way to talk about it. Mm. I talked about it at church like last weekend or two weekends ago. So, and then I just, I was walking in there the other day, excited about being back, you know, just in the short time we've been going and feeling like, this is my place. Like, this is so great. And then I thought to myself, I'm like, when was the last time I felt this excited about inviting someone? Like, so unashamedly, like, no, mm. this works for me. Because I've been realizing, like, when I'm inviting people to why, I'm not like, oh, what if they hate physical fitness? Like, what if they think that I'm judging them for not working out? Like, yeah. I've never even thought about that. I'm just like, I don't know what you need to do. I just really like the why, so I wanted to tell you. And I just thought, why am I not doing that about the actual thing that matters most to me in my life, which is my faith. Like my neighbors don't have to accept it. They don't, they don't have to feel like I'm judging. Mm. I'm just telling them, Hey, this is something I'm into. And I think you might be into it too. And I I think I I feel that same thing all the time. I'm I'm always, you know, talking about a movie I love or, you know, something that I experienced. Somehow the Cowboys come up on every podcast. (laughs) Even when they lose. (laughs) Easy now. Easy. (laughs) But you're right. Like, man, shame on me for talking about all those things that really don't matter, won't change anybody's life, but the gospel will. And I think it comes back to like that thing we learned about Paul. Paul is bold one, but man, he loved people. And like, Mm. he didn't claim to love people. He just proved it by, he never shut up about the gospel. Mm -hmm. And he, I'm just, I'm convicted of that. I'm also just ashamed, honestly, to to look back at my life and how many things I've tried to sell people, how many things I've tried to convince people of, and bottom on that list is the gospel. Hmm. You know, and shame on us for actually saying we love people when I'm not sure we really do. We love ourselves. Yeah, what's we, the most loving thing we could ultimately do? It's share, share the gospel. gospel. And we've in planning this series, we've been talking about it like a character study. Hey, we're doing a character study on the life of Paul. 
But honestly, this is not a character study series. I think even just by the way that this podcast has gone, it's a pi squared series. Like the only thing we found ourselves talking about is how not effective we are in our personal lives with sharing the gospel in wanting to be more so because that's just the essence of Paul's life is how much he's on mission. And so pray, invest, invite our only outreach strategy at Northridge Church. Like we will not be effective in the city of Rochester Mm. if, if we... Meaning, starting with our leadership, starting with our staff, and with the amazing people of Northridge, if we are not living Pi Squared, it legitimately, we are wasting our time. We right. will never make more and better disciples because all of our eggs are in the basket of living Pi Squared. Yeah. And so I think this series has been so healthy, it, you know, at least just for me, because I, th- I went in thinking, I'm going to know more facts about Paul. And what it has actually made me do is, sure, I've learned some things, and that's cool, but what it has actually done is made me go... I have got to get on pi squared. Mm. Yep. That it basically elevates something that has gone to the bottom of our list mm. back to the top. That's what Paul has done for me is like, hey, you know this thing right here in the bottom of your list that is the most important thing on your list? You've let it go down where it doesn't belong. And I think in this series, that's what God has really been teaching me is like, dude, you got to get this thing up here because this this is what changes people's life. This is what has impact. Like you say, man, we want to impact our city. Well, this is the thing that will do that, and mm-hmm. it won't do it on the bottom of your priority list. Absolutely. It's like a, it's a big sneak attack on Pi Squared because I, I think we could have you know, strategically planned, like, this fall, we're going to do a big series about Pi Squared, and we're going to hand out more invite cards than normal or something. We could have strategized as yeah. church leadership to do that, and I don't think it would have been as effective as talking about a man whose life so drips the importance of the gospel yep. that we're like, shoot, I, I'm, I'm done. I got to do it. I got to get on it. Yeah. And so as, I, as I've been thinking about, you know, Paul's life and how he's been convicting me, it made me think of, you know, what are the things that actually cause my, me living pie squared or me living out the gospel, telling people about Jesus to, to kind of drip down my priority list? Like what, what are those things? I think one of the biggest things in my life is my circumstances, is the things that I'm walking through and how I allow those things to dictate what's important to me, how I feel, um, you know, all these things. Even my view of God. Yeah. Even, even how I view God, like my life stinks right now. God is obviously a stinky God, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think you look at Paul's story and what he walked through, his life was no fun. (laughs) None at all. Like, I mean... (laughs) Really, like, think about this guy who's been beaten, flogged, he's been stoned to death, but not really. We skimmed over the fact that he spends, he like low key spends two years in prison in this process, and it gets like a verse. I know. I would have been like, can we, can we stop here and like fixate on the fact that I've been in this prison for two years for absolutely no reason? Yeah, I'm, I'm just chilling. I'm innocent. I'm like rotting, waiting for somebody to get their act together. And be, in being in prison, Paul wrote a good chunk of the Bible, mm-hmm. the New Testament, in prison. Yeah. You know, it's like, he didn't allow his circumstances to define who he was or what he was going to do. And I think that one of the biggest animals that pushes me living pie squared and living out the gospel to the bottom of the list is the things I walk through and the things I deal with in life. And my, I just stare at it. Like I mm-hmm. stare at my circumstances way too much. And it doesn't even, for me, it's, lately it hasn't felt like, oh, these super hard things that I'm walking through are distracting me. I certainly don't have anything like Paul. It's more just like, 
oh, you know, we, you know, we had a kid a few months ago and it's like, life's a little crazy. And we're like in a season, I, I'll use that phrase. We're in, we're just in, not in like a season for that kind of thing. And like, mm. oh, the holidays, it's, you know, like we're just in like a busy season. And that phrase is code for my circumstances are defining my priorities. Yeah. Instead of my priorities are defining how I interpret my circumstances and that I should be living on mission, no matter what my circumstances are. <laughs> that word season for Paul was just like, I'm going to, instead of looking at my season, I'm going to leverage my season mm-hmm. to be used for the gospel. He was only ever in one season, share the gospel. It worked. And that was like, oh, season. sometimes I'm in prison and sometimes I'm not. And sometimes I'm traveling and sometimes I'm preaching and sometimes I'm on trial. But no, still, all I do is share the gospel. That's a great way of looking at it. Like Paul had one season in life and he shared the gospel. It, 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 no matter what filtered through that season, he did the same thing. Hard stop. Period. End of paragraph. <laughs> exactly. So we all could use a little bit more. Uh, it's open season on sharing the gospel, and that's all there is. 